AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Food inflation is real. Prices are going up, but prices for some items are going up far faster and for different reasons. We'll get an update on what's happening to turkey and egg prices and ESG. We've been talking about it more and more often on AgriTalk. It's about time we get an ESG expert in to talk about the risks and the opportunities for farmers. Live from an El Camino-like harvest pace via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag, then it's ESG expert Dora Lutz, and right after the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Boy, Machinery Pete got you stuck on, on the old uh, El Caminos, didn't it? I knew you were going to say that. I was using my ESG powers. I can't wait oh. to talk to Dora Lutz about <laughs> this. Yeah. I think it's something different than what you might be thinking it is. I knew you I, were going to say that. Okay, maybe it is. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Environmental social governance. We've been talking about the impact of ESG uh, efforts in the oil business in particular. And we've talked about it in, in as it relates to agriculture. And there's even some mm-hmm. legislation uh, related to ESG efforts. You know, you talk about um, uh, tracking the carbon footprint on inputs all the way back to the farm level. Well, that has been stalled and there's even some pending legislation that would prevent that from happening, but there are some opportunities out there. And and uh, actually, I had the conversation with Dora yesterday. I think it's uh, an interesting conversation. We even discuss whether or not ESG can become weaponized, okay, in the environmental issues. So it, it's an interesting conversation. And then, of course, Mike Nag, uh, we're going to be talking about what is going on with bird flu. Iowa is the number one egg producer in the country and it's Mm -hmm. had a big impact on that industry here in the state okay man let's get started what do you got in the news well let's hit some highlights from usda's crop progress and condition update this for the weekend at october 23 corn 97 percent mature in line with the average 61 percent harvested compares to 52 percent on average Soybeans, 80% harvested, compares to 67% on average. Let's let's pause there. We're yeah. ahead of the average harvest pace, Chip. Absolutely. Once the, you know, we had that frost in the early part of, well, late part of September, early part of October. Uh, so that helped to speed up that soybean harvest. And then weeks uh, without a disruption to the harvest mm-hmm. uh yeah. Uh, we got a little bit of a uh, of a delay happening right now, but boy, that happened in a hurry. Well, checking in on cotton, 45% harvested compares to 39% on average, 30% good to excellent, off slightly from last week. And winter wheat, 79% planted in line with the average, emerged 49%. 
behind the 56% uh, average pace. Chip, the Federal Reserve will go for its fourth consecutive 75 basis point interest rate hike on November 2nd, according to economists polled by Reuters, who said the central bank should not pause until inflation falls to around half its current level. Former British Treasury Chief Rishi Sunak officially became the British Prime Minister after meeting with King Charles III at Buckingham Palace today, making him the third person to hold the position in just two months. Sunak said on Monday, quote, there is no doubt we face profound economic challenges. We now need stability and unity. He's the first person of color, Chip, to assume the position and the youngest to do so in two centuries, based on his resume, likely to prioritize fiscal conservatism and trim spending where possible. I believe 42 years old is what I heard. It, it, uh, but it, extremely popular within his party mm-hmm. is, is what it sounds like. And, and I think his party is looking forward to his leadership. Well, Chip, according to a recent study by the University of Missouri, 82% of farm household income now comes from off-farm sources. Rob Fox with CoBank says while that number is high, that does not mean there is a mass exodus from the farm to urban communities. With telecommuting options or part-time, you may be willing to commute 75 or 80 miles, you know, once or twice a week, right? Uh, so that gives you the option to, to live in more rural communities, and, and that brings professional people with, with higher incomes and ability to support local economies and goods and services. So my conjecture here is that actually the pandemic is going to, going to uh, prove to be a uh, good thing in the long term for the, the economy of, of rural America. Chip, in other news, the Wall Street Journal reports Europe continues to buy Russian LNG. Importers say LNG sales are not covered by Russian sanctions, and the imports will help cushion the blow from higher energy prices. Meanwhile, Ukrainian authorities have accused Russia of undermining the Black Sea grain deal by holding up ships. The U.N. says there are currently 150 cargo sh- ships uh, logjammed in the uh, in the area. The Chinese yuan has fallen to the weakest level against the dollar since 2007, off 13% this year. Uh, Chip, two Chinese intelligence officers have been charged with trying to bribe a U.S. law enforcement official to obtain inside information about the racketeering case against China's Huawei technology. The two remain at large. And visits to McDonald's restaurants jumped 37.1% the week after it rolled out adult Happy Meals, which include a Big Mac or 10-piece McNuggets, French fries, drink, and a toy. Chip, no word on requirements to finish your meal before opening your toy. (laughs) It's a real story, bro. (laughs) Adult Happy Meals now? Come on, people. Get it together. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. All right, Davis, thank you so much. Let's bring you in bet. Karen Bonert, editor of Farm Journal's Milk. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Chip. Hey, it's something that we haven't seen for a while. There's some expansion in the dairy herd happening. Yeah, the, the latest USDA September milk production report was released late last week, and it spells more mm-hmm. milk and more cows. Um the U.S. milk production growth was modest at 1.5% over a year ago. It included chipped 9.4 million cows, an increase of 6,000 from a year ago. Yeah. And August production was revised 13 million pounds, which is an increase of 1.7 over a year ago. So, yes, we're, we, it spells more milk. Uh, who's leading the pack? Uh, Chip, it's no surprise. It was led by South Dakota, who added yeah. an impressive... 
46 million pounds of milk. Uh, that's a positive reflection of 15%, as well as they added 25,000 cows. Texas also added 30,000 cows. So more milk. Um, the livestock slaughter report chip showed 260,000 dairy cows were cold in the month of September. This, it was 4,100 less than a year ago, but okay. the year-to-date culling is nearly down 60,000 head. So wow. what does this spell? It spells to me that pretty much producers are holding on to their cows. Yeah. Um, and I talked to our friend Phil Floyd over at EverAg, and he said the magnitude of growth from the USDA September milk production report was surprising to him. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, have we seen this broken record before? And by that, I mean, milk price yep. improves, right? And slowly yep. but surely producers hold on to cows trying yep. to capture every drop they can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a couple of those states even have higher milk production, but lower cow numbers so that we've got higher productivity as well. Karen, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. That is Karen Bonert. We've got Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag next. Agritalk is brought to you by Rumensen. Rumensen's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumensen, trusted by generations. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Davis. Yes, Chip. Last week, you had a news item that the bird deaths caused by bird flu, avian influenza, were nearing a record level. And That's correct. Uh, I think it's time for us to get an update on what is happening with bird flu. We've got Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag with us. Secretary Nag, it's good to talk with you again. How are you? Hey, Chip. I'm great. Good to be on with you. And, and you know, this is a little strange. I I'm got used to just being interviewed by you in the front seat of your pickup, but I suppose <laughs> this will do in a pinch. <laughs> this this will have to do, Secretary Nag. Yes, this will have to do. That was qu- that was quite the day out there at Mark Mueller's uh, at the wetlands. Oh, it really and, was. And, and I want and I want to talk a little bit more about that uh, be- before we wrap up here today. But first, how's harvest going at the Nag Farm? Hey, really, really good. Of course, we all tapped the brakes uh, with the widespread rain yesterday but oh my gosh i don't i I honestly i don't know that many people are complaining we sure needed that uh, at least nothing else to 
knock the dust down. I'm I'm guessing the sun starts shining today, folks will be right back at it. So uh, we're we're very close to being done at the Neg Farm. Good, good, good. Okay, food inflation. Uh, I started with this uh, when when the show opened. The food in- inflation is a big deal, and it's in the news right now. Yeah. And and a couple of items are being featured. Number one, uh, egg prices. Number two, turkey prices ahead mm-hmm. of Thanksgiving. Now, inflation has something to do with that, but these two items are also the the products that are hardest hit by bird flu. What's the status of bird flu, not only in Iowa, but the country? Well, at first, just on the point of inflation, uh, I actually stopped yeah. at the grocery store yesterday afternoon for a couple items, and uh, it's it's everywhere, and, and uh, that's, that's absolutely hitting our families, and, and it's driven Absolutely. by a lot of things, energy costs being one of them. Uh, but you layer on top of that, uh, you know, the fact that we have had high pass, uh, significant amount of uh, cases. If you just look at the totality of 2022, uh, it's totaling up to be a big number. Big difference between 15 when we last had high pass in the country and this time around is that we didn't have this repeat in the fall uh that year you know we we had it move through in the spring and then the the birds shed that virus and when they came back through they didn't have it unfortunately that's not the case this year and so you know uh, what a month ago month and a half ago you started to see cases in the northern united states and as it started to work south uh now you're you're seeing the cases go with it so unfortunately we did uh, have a confirmation in a backyard flock a very small flock uh, in Iowa, but it had been since May 2nd that we'd had our last positive case. So okay. we'd hoped and prayed that it wouldn't return, but it has, and it's not entirely unexpected. But but you're yeah. right, that's driving uh, pressure in that that poultry market, the turkey, broiler, and egg space, which uh, consumers just don't need. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that broilers have been affected by it, but it's not n- n- nearly to the right. degree that the egg producers have felt it, correct? That's correct. You know, broilers, uh, boy, it just does not take that long for them to, one, they haven't been as impacted by high pass because those birds aren't on the ground as long. And right. and so, but, but the industry can also can recover from a disruption. You talk about the egg industry, you know, where birds are going to lay for many, many months. Uh, you know, you don't just, you don't just restock that and get them back laying at the full capacity that you maybe lost. And so there is a, there's a lag time there. Turkeys are a little bit that way. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is heading into Thanksgiving, you know, we've been able to put birds, not we, Iowa produces for the sliced turkey market. Others produce for the whole bird market. And I know that they've been stockpiling up. And so I don't think that we're going to see a shortage, but you might pay more uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that that seems to be reflected in the data when you look at the freezer stocks of turkey. Uh, mm-hmm. The the they're ready for it the the production side is ready for it but the options that some are used to may not be available to them when they go to buy the turkey and the other thing is turkey isn't going to be the loss leader that it has been in in thanksgivings you know uh in the past uh there's been free turkeys there's been like 89 Uh cent turkeys those (laughs) things are going to come in close to three dollars a pound this year aren't they that's right. You know, and this is the old debate whether uh, uh, the, the pork producers would say you get a free turkey with a ham and, and the, the turkey growers would say you get a free ham with that turkey. You know, it just right. kind of depends. On, I, I say I say everybody wins in that scenario. But, but no, I think you're right, Jeff. I mean, there's 
there's pressure all the way around, but uh, I think you're correct about that. And, and you know, yeah, the probably not going to see that 99 cent or 79 cent bird uh, that maybe you had in the past, but there's a lot of causes for that. But I will say this, that, you know, the industry does work incredibly hard that to, that's why it's so important that we detect early, contain the virus that we have not seen the kind of spread that we did see in, in uh, 15. That has, has uh, obviously resulted in not, not, you know, not as much destruction or loss of, of production. And those are important things. And then the industry works quickly to try to get re- recover that production. So right. it's a it's a group effort. We're better than we were in 15, but there's just no yeah. doubt about it that we're seeing the lingering supply effects coming out of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. What is the the outlook for for bird flu as we get into the winter months? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to stick around, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, for us, as we look at Iowa, we're, we're you know, we're going to watch these birds as things start to, you know, ice starts to come in up north as the colder temperatures drive those birds south. We fully expect that they will kind of, they will move through. Uh, we, we wouldn't be surprised to see some additional cases as they move south, but then it should exit the area. Now, the real question is what happens next? Uh, we've seen these viruses move from flyway to flyway. You know, something that originates in China maybe makes its way through the flyways and ends up here you know, some months later. I think that's the next big question is, does this overwinter again okay. and move north in the spring? Uh, time will tell on that. All right. Okay. You've been out campaigning. Uh, for those unfamiliar with it, the Ag Secretary Post in Iowa is an elected position. What are you hearing from Iowans? Well, and yeah, we're, we're two weeks out, so really hitting the road uh, pretty aggressively here uh, and uh, going to see a lot of Iowans in the next couple of weeks. You know, uh, folks in the ag community certainly feel there, there's reasons to feel good about the year in terms of commodity prices and yields that we're seeing in, in most places. But, oh, so much uncertainty with uh, the price of fertilizer, price of fuel, yeah. and uh, no one likes uncertainty in their business and farmers are no different. But I will tell you that what I hear when I'm talking to Iowans, consumers, non-farm folks, it is really about the economy and that food and fuel uh, costs are up. It's hitting every single family. You know, companies are starting to pass these costs, these increased costs of workforce and energy on to consumers. And uh, unfortunately, that's what we've got coming at us here for the foreseeable future. Yeah. For the the farmers that you're visiting with, you nailed the list that I've got in front of me, fertilizer prices and fuel prices. Uh, there's Corn growers are working to get rid of some of the tariffs on fertilizer imports. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, and, and, you know, here we do. I just just read an article this morning about the, you know, re- a reminder of uh, the global nature, the global marketplace for fertilizer. And, and uh, we've got uh, increase in, in uh, U.S. exports of fertilizer at a time when our prices are up in this country. And so I think we ought to be looking at everything, everything that uh, should be on the table in terms of trying to drive down those costs. But, hey, remember that one of the key drivers in fertilizer costs is energy. And those are things that we've got to remember and, and think about from a policy standpoint going forward. So, yes, we ought to work on uh, knocking down those tariffs, but really it's about production and being able to, uh, you know, restore these supply chains as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've been talking quite a bit lately about how ethanol could contribute to solving the problem mm-hmm. of high prices. I, I mean, I saw it plain as day yesterday, 429 for 88, uh, or excuse me, for 87 octane, no ethanol gas. I think it was 429 versus 369 for E10, 87 octane. 
mm-hmm. what a no-brainer there. Well, and then you could knock another 10 to 10 cents, 15 cents off going yep. to uh, E15 or unleaded 88. I mean, I, I always say this is not hard. The the uh, the the, yeah. the, the oh. consumer can see it for themselves. All you have to do is look at that uh, look at that pump. That's and right. so look, domestic domestic energy production first. And then secondary to that, domestic renewable energy production is absolutely uh, has to be a, a priority for us right. as a country. And that's something that the heartland of the Midwest can deliver. Yeah. I always say, hey, do you want to when a gallon of, of uh, petroleum is based fuel is pumped into a gas tank? Who wins when a gallon of ethanol is pumped into a gas tank? Yeah. Who wins? Who benefits from that? Thousands of Midwesterners, thousands of Iowans benefit from that. That's right. We are almost out of time. I'm only going to give you 20 seconds for this, but how's the conservation (laughs) efforts playing with with, uh, uh, those in the cities around Iowa? My key message is that we have never seen as much work being done on conservation in the state of Iowa as we do today, and that's saying something because we've had decades of experience with this. Never been more focused, more awareness, more resources, more partners. Now, are we satisfied with that? No, but I'm awfully proud of it. And we're going to keep the pedal to the floor here going forward. We know it's the right thing to do. Good stuff. Absolutely. That is Iowa Secretary of Ag, Mike Nag. Thank you, Mike. It was good to talk with you again. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Chip. All right. We're talking ESG next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady joins us. Uh, Beach corn has gotten back all of yesterday's losses. Soybeans are working on it. What's going on? Yeah, really, it's the the soybean and soy meal markets chip that got everything going here. And uh, you know they traded with a uh, slightly firmer tone overnight. Uh, but boy, we got to daytime trade and hit a batch of buying and and uh, you know just corrective stuff. But uh, um, outside markets are supported. The crude oil markets uh, higher. Uh, the dollar's under heavy pressure, and and so that's kind of encouraged some of the uh, the okay. corrective buying that we're seeing in the the soy complex this morning. Uh, that spilled over to corn, like you mentioned, and, and it's trading around a nickel higher with those uh, double digit gains in in the soybeans, and then the uh, but the wheat market. It, uh, despite the dollar weakness, yeah. uh, it's it's trading under pressure, and and uh, so uh, that should be the market that reacts the most to the dollar. Um, yeah. But uh, you know the dollar strong overall. Export demand for U.S. wheat is paltry, and uh, so you know just not responding. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. The U.S. dollar index right now just under one eleven. So there is quite a bit of pressure on the on the greenback. Take us over to livestock trade. What's happening? 
Well, we ran out to new contract highs in, in live cattle futures. Uh, most of those contracts, aside from the October, the front month October, have, have backed off now. So we're seeing a little bit of profit taking pressure there. Probably not too much of a surprise. Uh, we became short term overbought in that market. And, and this is probably healthy uh, in the grand scheme of things as we wait on cash cattle trade to develop for the week. And, and we're anticipating that uh, the cash prices will be up again and, and potentially up uh, sharply with show list numbers down. Uh, in the hog market, uh, we're we're seeing mild buyer interest so far this morning. So um, relatively quiet, but uh, mildly firmer tone. All right. Thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk. What more do you need to know? Welcome back to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us this morning. Okay, ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Something that we need to get gain a better understanding of. And joining us right now is Dora Lutz. Dora is an expert in ESG uh, on how it connects to business strategy. She teaches a course on this at Purdue University. They've got a, a uh, conference coming up on, in uh, June of 2023 on on how this all fits together. But Dora joins us right now. Dora, thank you so much for making time for us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. So ESG, like I said, it's been around for a while, but what what does it mean at the farm level for for farmers? And, and help us better understand how it might impact business decisions. Yes. So really ESG is really nothing more than a framework for business leaders to be thinking about how they are managing all of the needs of all of their stakeholders. Uh, and they look at it within the three compartments of what does this mean from a, a planetary and environmental standpoint? What does it mean for the communities and the people that we work with? And then how do we make sure that we're operating ethically, um, you know, within the regulations for whatever uh, communities that we're operating in? So really, business leaders are looking at this and saying, how do we make sure that we're including all of these things so that we can maximize our revenue and manage our costs and therefore be more profitable. So where I'm seeing this in the ag sector is from uh, food production uh, organizations saying, okay, we need this data, we need this information for our consumers, um, and we have to look to the farmer to help us make sure that the data is accurate. Yeah, it, it sounds like, to some producers out there, it sounds like a lot of paperwork to, to make sure that they have the information on hand that, they may have to send further up the chain later. It yep. is, it, it is going to take some documentation, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Now, what you see uh, from a lot of organizations right now is it's equal parts firm data, quantitative data, and equal parts storytelling. So, you know, I don't think that a, a farmer who is worried about the paperwork needs to go and make huge investments to, to have all of the data that they need right away. But they, they probably should realize that at some point they're going to need to have firm data. And for now, just thinking about what they're already doing from a best practices standpoint, from a sustainability standpoint, being able to tell those stories is a good starting point. Where is agriculture on the ESG learning curve right now, Dora? 
I would put it early on in the in the early curve, but in the learning curve. But I think everybody uh, is in that learning curve right now. Uh, I, a lot of times, I'll put it uh, in my own mind back to when digital was becoming a big marketing strategy, and people were still trying to decide if they needed a website, uh, what that website should do, and you know there were there was there was a lot of mess in the early days. The internet existed, but people were still trying to figure out how to use it most effectively for their business. I think that's where we're at from an ESG standpoint also. You know, what concerns me about that is something that came along with the development of a lot of the websites out there was a term called burn rate and just <laughs> how fast companies were going through money and investing in, in uh, the development of, of things like that. It, that's not where we're at with ESG though, is it? I don't believe so. I think that especially in the ag sector, there are a lot of people who are doing the right thing already and doing it for the right reasons. And so when we look at ESG as a framework, we have to evaluate our businesses to say, what are we already doing um, that, that we can manage and we can measure? What are the competitive threats that we need to be paying attention to, to be proactive uh, and who are the people who care about this information? But I don't personally think that, um, that everybody needs to freak out and start making investments. I think we can look at um, look at what's happening in our environment and make strategic decisions about what makes the most sense and what's going to generate the best return for the money that we spend. Okay, okay, um, twenty-seven trillion with a T. Yes, twenty-seven trillion dollar market. How is that value determined? Yes. So that comes from the Impact Investing Forum. This is their most, most recent uh, study that came out. And they're looking at the amount of dollars that are being uh, invested in organizations that either have ESG efforts, um, and they could be startups, they could be existing organizations that are building ESG strategies, um, anybody, it really is the size of the investment market that's considering ESG in their decision-making. Okay. Now, $27 trillion is a lot of money, and I think it's something that agriculture would like to get a piece of at least. How is that going to happen? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I think in my world, it's about going where the money is. So if we are looking at investors what are investors choosing to decide in or invest in? And you see a lot related to the environmental component, specifically in the ag sector. The things that uh, organizations are paying attention to are greenhouse gas emissions, water management, energy management, uh, food safety, all of those pieces of the puzzle. Then you can look at the, the social side and there you're looking at uh, workforce safety, supply chain efforts, more of the community side of things. Mm -hmm. So what I would recommend to a farmer who wants a piece of this puzzle is to look at what your buyers are asking for and look at the stories that they're telling to their consumers, because that's an indicator of the types of data and the types of practices they're going to want you to be bringing to the table. And that's what's going to bring you competitive advantage. Okay. Um, I don't want to scare anybody when I ask this next question, but I'm thinking about it from a, an oil refiner's point of view. All right. So could ESG and the whole concept be weaponized against an industry? Well, that that is a hard question. Um, 
I don't believe so. I have spent a lot of time looking at organizations across sectors to understand what ESG does to their bottom line. And even in the oil sector, Mm -hmm. you can look at one company versus another and see how they are engaging in ESG more effectively. And even in those sectors, there's a tie between profitability and environmental and social and governance efforts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It's, I think that is at the base of one of the skeptical comments that I get from farmers quite often. And I mean, when I, when I ask this question, there's going to be guys out there that are shake their head and say, yep, I've asked Chip this question. (laughs) They're saying, they're saying that companies want to pay farmers to do what they are doing differently so that these companies can keep what they are, keep doing what they are doing, how they are doing it today. Is that the bottom line? Well, I think as in any new shift, there are probably going to be some bad actors. But I believe that when the organizations are looking to the farmer for this data, they want to share it with their customers and they are betting on the fact that investors are going to want to give them capital, that consumers are going to value their products Um at a higher rate and that they are reducing their organizational risk by doing this. So in my mind, it moves everybody forward together. Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, to your point, you know, is there, is there a fair amount of BS out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I believe that the people paying attention to this, investing in it are not going to tolerate that for very long. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to steal that from you. Some, you know, there's a difference between ESG and BSG. And uh, that that is not my original. That I think is Dora's original. And it's it, it's it's what people are really concerned about. Are they going to walk? Are they going to follow through with what they're talking about? That's the big concern that, that I think farmers have got, Dora. Yeah, I- I understand that. I understand that. But when you look at the demographics of purchasers who are coming to the table, what Gen Z and millennials are looking for in their buying decisions, the way investors are considering this as a, as a risk to their business, I think that there's enough momentum behind it that it is not going to go away. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. June 6th to the 8th in West Lafayette, Indiana, there is going to be the Purdue Food and Agribusiness Executive Summit. Uh, you are going to be on the panel along with one Mr. Greg Halverson. Hey, Greg, Black Gold Farms. I want to get him on to talk about it as well. What do you yes. hope? What What do you hope to accomplish real quickly here with, with this summit? Yes. So I am moderating one of the panels on ESG. So my ideal outcome is that people walk away with specific things that they can do in their business that don't break the bank, but allow them to take advantage of the opportunity that is ESG. Yeah. That take it, 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 you know what, flesh that out just a little bit for me, Dora. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because I think there are some, some producers out there that are thinking this is something that I'm never going to be able to take advantage of. How will they? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a huge time investment. When you look at the ESG efforts that really drive profitability, it's about understanding who you serve and why. It's about holding yourself accountable to measure what matters to your organization. 
to creating okay. opportunities in your community, to operating ethically and telling that story in a way that increases your, your premiums. So those are the things that businesses already do. This is not a, this is yeah. not a new way of thinking. It's just a new language. It may not be as high up the scare chart as what I think it is. Is that what you're saying? I, I mean, I think there's a lot of noise out there about it, but okay. I don't think that anybody could look, you can look at it and say, this is an opportunity for my business. How do I do it in a way that is strategic and smart Excellent. and it will help move your organization forward? Excellent. Dora, uh, I'm looking forward to the summit very much. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning. Thank you for having me. It was great. to That be is here. Dora Lutz, ESG strategist and an instructor there at Purdue University. We'll be back with more AgriTalk here in a moment. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. Okay, welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson here, Chip Flory, standing by. Yes. Hello, Chip. Hello, Davis. I think I turned my microphone down a little bit there. Is that better? Davis Michael, yeah. can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Is this I on? can hear you now. Yes, I can. Okay, good. Good. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I think there are a lot of people out there probably screaming at their radios about the ESG stuff. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume that role in just a moment. Um, okay. But let's first talk about the conversation with Iowa Secretary of Agriculture, Mike Nag. Okay. Uh, just saying, folks. Thanksgiving is uh, just a month away, and maybe maybe you do something different. Maybe you get the whole gang together. Maybe you get, uh, you know, we just all order pizza and watch the game or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you are among those who are looking for that traditional Thanksgiving turkey and stuffing and the and the whole bit, Chip, it almost feels like you might wanna might wanna hop to it and uh, yeah. go ahead and pick up a turkey now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and not only that, but be watching for specials for your other ingredients leading up to it. Um, in, in my family, we do a chicken dressing and I'm responsible for the chicken dressing. And um, with the price of chicken right now, I, you darn right. I'm looking for deals and specials and and uh, uh, thank God that dark meat works just fine. In uh, in these uh, in this recipe because you can get some deals on that for sure. What are you putting? 
You put a sweater on the chicken? Is that what you do? No. No, you, well, you put I'm it you following. put it in a blanket of 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 bread cubes and deliciousness and and let it uh, simmer for a long period of time with different spices and seasonings and chicken broth and mm, is it good num num <laughs> yes um okay well and then yeah. we uh we spoke with with Dora Lutz about a uh a potentially contentious issue something that's difficult to get our heads around um i'm going to i'm going to start with a quote from her okay okay she said very clearly it's not time to freak out right it's not time to freak out. Um, there are things coming, but you but yeah. you raised a good point, and I just want you to address because you said that that people have asked you this, and if I understand what their question is, mm-hmm. uh, these What's ESG the people they want farmers to change. Yep. So corporations don't have to change, right? And these corporations can then put the little leaf on can, the labels can, or satisfy right. the ideologues in that way. It's almost like RINs. Um, yep. So first question, they, who's going okay. to reg- regulate this? What, is, what, <laughs> is, what does that look like? You know, regulator keeps score. Right. I, I, I think it's the thing that I wonder more about, because if the market develops as we see it developing, and we're still in the very early stages of it. The the market will find a way to regulate it. All right. But keeping score, I think, is going to be very, very important in, in all of this because, like you said, we you know one of the biggest polluters in the country can buy the heck out of carbon credits out there exactly. and put the little leaf on whatever product it is that they're making. Yep. And everybody will feel good about that company, even though that company continues to be a major polluter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the question that I keep getting is if carbon and, ES, and, and other issues related to ESG, if there is great opportunity in that for agriculture, that means that agriculture has leverage at this point. Because we have something that these other companies want, and mm-hmm. that is an ability to sequester carbon, to store it away. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you give up your carbon and, you, and, and you've sold it as an industry, as an industry? Those are questions that yeah. are very, I mean, those are heady questions, Davis, and they are, they are issues that I think, will need to be resolved before there is buy-in, if there mm-hmm. is buy-in, mm-hmm. on this whole issue. I I, well, I just don't think there's any question about that. And I feel like this idea was hatched from the same, um, from the same logic sausage grinder that uh, wound us up accusing cows of destroying the planet. Yeah. And now yeah, here I, I think is their right. latest idea to put together this great thing where where farmers uh, can change the way that they do things in just little ways so yeah, that corporations and, and it'll can make profit. it better for us all. Yeah. What? Yeah. It 
it makes me a little bit concerned. And when she says ESG will drive profitability, it has to come back to, and we know this, Chip, farmers will adopt if yep. it assists the bottom line. That's right. ESG will drive profitability, but we got to ask for who, how do we get yep. our piece? And you asked right. a very good question there. Yeah, and and I think that, as Dora indicated, the answer to that question is still being discovered exactly how it is going to play out in in the future so kind of like we're still trying to discover how we're going to charge all these electric cars <laughs> kind of like that is that sort of like Ab it? absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. uh there are there are many of these ideological efforts that are underway out there that you know they're they're big ideas Mm -hmm. They're big ideas, and I'm not saying that they're bad ideas. Yeah. They're big ideas. They just don't have a plan to get there. Well, and just think about if it's going to be consumer-driven, think about consumer opinions on GMOs. Yeah. ESG and GMOs. It, it just sounds, I don't know. The consumer sees a low ESG score. They don't buy that product. Right. Yeah. I think. Boy. You know, this I think is, that's uh, that's where the regulation comes from, the free market anyway. That's or right. Or could come from, or could come from. We're that's almost right. out of time. Go on. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're Obviously, we've got a lot more uh, to discuss on ESGs going forward. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. We've got Brian Basting from Advanced Trading right here on AgriTalk. <laughs>